0: Amen. I am a man on a mission, and the clock tells me that too, doesn't it? <laughs> so I need a timely message. We are in uh, Colossians chapter 1, and would you stand with me and we'll read the Scriptures. Are you ready? Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. I will fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. A mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is in the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it direct us, Father, that it speak to our heart, that it cut through our heart and looks at the intentions of our heart. Father, we are your servants. Help us to understand your testimonies. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Well, Paul is writing uh, to the church at Colossae, from Rome. Now, Colossi is in what is now known as Turkey, so it's, they're hundreds of miles apart. But he's writing this letter because he deeply loves the people. He's never been to Colossae. He didn't start that church. Uh, Epaphras did. He had the light of the gospel, and he had started that church, and now he's visiting Paul in prison in Rome, trying to encourage Paul along with some others, and he has brought the Word and what's happening at the church, and Paul sends a letter back to them. Paul loves them deeply, but he can't go. He's in prison. He's in prison because of the gospel of sharing the gospel. And so he writes this letter to encourage them, to help them with their doctrine. But he can't go, he can't bring his presence there, but he can share the scriptures. And he can encourage them what they've already been taught and affirm that, what Epaphras has been taught. Letters are important. The, in the 1969, I received a letter from the U.S. government. It said, greetings, Mr. Coble. Uh, you are now a member of the U.S. Army. Report to the depot down in Detroit. And the report for duty. And I did, and they... Ship me to North Carolina, to Fort Bragg, to begin basic training. And off I go in there and get uniforms and your haircut and all those things to get ready for it. Um, and I'm marching around, and my knee is, swells up right away because it was all torn up from playing ball. And they'd send me to the hospital and put me through x-rays and all these kind of things, and then ask me this question, what are you doing here? You called, (laughs) and and you shouldn't be here. Your knee is terrible, and uh, we're going to send you home. And so they put me in the hospital, just working in the hospital, pushing sheets around and doing different things like that. And so it took them a few months to process the paperwork. But you see, i had gotten married the year before, and it had been about, I'd say, roughly eight months since Jill and I had gotten married. And something happened to me when I got married. Jill and I weren't Christians, but this principle that God has about you leave your mother and father and cleave to your wife, you bonded to your wife, uh, happened to me, and I didn't know it exactly what was going on. I just realized that after I got married, I liked being with Jill. <laughs> and um, I didn't. The guys would come over, and I did the first week. I went out with the guys, and I. And I didn't enjoy it. I wanted to be back home with Jill. I was being drawn back. And so something was going on there. So when I got drafted, I missed my wife. Uh, We weren't together. So every day I went to the post office on the base looking for that. I knew my wonderful wife would write me. I wanted to hear from my wife. What I wanted to hear, that she still loved me, that she wanted me to come home, And there were times she didn't, (laughs) but that's another sermon. But I was separated from the one I was bonded to. And I wanted to hear from her. I wanted to be reassured. I wanted to know that she still cared about me and that I had a place to go back to. So I looked for that letter every day. Of course, I only needed to write once a week, if that, because women don't need it like men do, right? I look for the letter, and I get the letter, and I read it, and it helped, because Jill's a wonderful writer. (laughs) She is excellent. And um, so, um, and then I put the letter down, and I'd read it again, and then maybe a day later I'd read it. Um, And it was nice, but it wasn't enough. I needed her presence. That's what I needed, is her presence. And so I was looking forward to going home and being in her presence. And so it is with our God. We were created to be in his presence. And that's what Adam and Eve were created for, to be in his presence and to dwell with him. And that's why Satan worked so hard in tempting them to get them to pull away to break that bond of fellowship, to break that bond of love, and not be in the presence of the Lord. And they were separated. And God, since time began like that, has been working to reconcile mankind, to bring mankind back into his presence, into proper relationship with God, to be reconciled to him, to be forgiven, to be able to love God with all our heart, soul, and might, to be able to love others as we love ourselves. That's what we created for to be in God's presence. And the enemy does everything he can, and his name is Satan, to push us away, to tell us God is not there, to take us out of God's presence and to put us in the kingdom of darkness. And so with that sense, Paul knowing that, knowing the kingdom of darkness and how he had been brought out to seeing the light of Christ, and that the light of Christ had shone in his heart, And seeing the knowledge of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he has this knowledge in earthen vessel to be able to show forth the excellency of God. I have got a message for you. God is there and that he loves you and he's proven it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he started to what? Share the gospel, the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the good news. This is the hope that we have. This is how we get back into the presence of God and back into a proper relationship with God. It was nice to go home. I thought I was going to surprise Jill. It didn't work out too well. Uh, I made the mistake of calling my mother to pick me up at the airport (laughs) because I thought it would be great to surprise Jill. And so I got home and she wasn't there. Then I waited and waited, and I finally went to bed. <laughs> she was out with a friend. <laughs> and so when she got home, I was upset because I wasn't there in her presence. And she wasn't happy with me either. You called your mother. I'll let you guys work on that. I was just trying to surprise you. <laughs> uh, so much for the plans of men. So, this book is about the actions of God and the actions of man, the sins of men and the reconciliation power of God to bring back mankind into the presence of God, into the estate that he was meant to be in. So Paul is trying to encourage them, and he gets the report from the papyrus about the church and the people and how they love one another and the faith that they have because of the hope laid up in heaven for them. And that really sets the theme for the entire book. The people have faith, they have love, and it's all based on the hope that they have set up in heaven. And their faith kept abounding, and he kept encouraging in them. And it's the same message they're hearing from Paul that they heard from their pastor, Epaphras, because the light was in his heart. Now the light was in the people's heart. They knew the message. They knew the gospel. They had the Lord's presence in their life. And so he inc- continues to encourage them to walk in a manner worthy so as to please him, to please the Lord and to bear fruit and have good works and increase in knowledge, be strengthened with power and to share with others and to remind them again that the light of the saints that came from God in the gospel of Jesus Christ had transferred them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and that they'd been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and had forgiveness of sin through the blood of Christ. And so it was God's pleasure for the fullness to come to Christ, to come to us. And Christ had reconciled everything to himself and brought peace through the blood of Christ. And so he could present us holy and blameless, above reproach, Present us to Himself. The church is the bride of Christ, and God is trying to prepare all of us for Christ and to be with Him forever in heaven. He's trying to prepare us to mature us here in this earth to be with Him. Now, as you know, pastors do a lot of weddings okay? And for the men, weddings are easy. Um, You rent the tuxedo, and you hang it, and you get the shoes, you put them on, you go to the wedding. But the girls, hallelujah. (laughs) There's a time of preparation. And of course, we went through it in our own home with our daughter. And there's picking out the dress and all of that. Of course, she sells wedding gowns, so she had one picked out. And it took everything I could when I was in that bridal store in Dallas, Texas, and she walked out in that dress. I'm not going to cry. I am not going to cry. But this is what is supposed to happen. She's supposed to leave. So the wedding's a good thing. She's not supposed to stay with Jill and I, and she didn't want to. She, she, <laughs> she wanted her own life, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Okay? Um, but there was preparation in the, the dress, and then uh, linens and decorations for tables, and oh, I'm, there's a lot of preparation. And then there's the wedding day, hallelujah! There's hair and makeup, and uh, getting everything to the site. it out. But I can honestly tell you, every wedding that I've done, when the doors open and that bride steps out, they're gorgeous, every single one. I've been They're phenomenal. (laughs) They've prepared so well for this presentation. It means everything, and it should. Then I like to look at the guys' faces, and (laughs) they're kind of like, wow. (laughs) Um, And to see her walk down on the arm of her father or somebody who loves her so much, and to come and be presented to the groom, It's a special thing. I always get emotional at them because I know we're going to talk about Christ and Christ in their hearts and the presence of the Lord in the individual and in their marriage because they are being presented. And so, too, there's so many comparisons in Scripture of us and of marriage and of being presented to the Lord and husbands being the head of the family like Christ is the head of the church and Christ wants to present the church clean and unspotted to the Father. And so we look at that and we go, Oh Lord, help us not to resist the work that you are doing in us, to prepare us to be presented to you. And he is, he's working in you and he's working in me, preparing us to be in heaven, to meet him, to live with him forever. And so, Paul, I want to pick it up then on the lesson for today in the 24th verse. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh, and I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up all that which is lacking in Christian afflictions. And so he's saying, I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel, but I don't mind this at all. I'm not suffering as much as Christ, but I'm suffering because I've shared the truth about Jesus Christ. And so the Jews had accused him of things and had him arrested. And, of course, he appealed to Rome, and he wanted to go to Rome to share the gospel there. Um, And so he's in prison writing to them, and he says, I don't mind suffering because I'm doing it for the gospel. And it's for your behalf because you are receiving the gospel. So I don't mind this at all. And of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed upon me for your benefit, that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. So he didn't mind this at all because he wanted to know Christ and the power of the resurrection, right? I want to know him and to suffer with him and to fellowship with him. I want to know him like that. I want to be like him. There's suffering in all of our lives, and Christ has guaranteed it as his followers. In this life you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've been resurrected from the dead, and if I can be raised from the dead, I can do anything in your life. For nothing is impossible with God. Do you see that? Jesus tells us in Luke... Because he knew he was going to ascend, had his face, his mind, set like a flint, a very hard stone, set to go to Jerusalem, knowing he was going to die there. Some of the disciples said, you can't go. You're going to be killed there. And he said, we're going. And they, in all their faith, said, okay, let's go with them and die there. They hadn't caught the resurrection yet. Even though he tried to explain it, tear down this temple, and in three days it will be raised again. And they thought they were talking about the the temple there in Jerusalem. But Jesus, because of the resurrection, because he knew he was going to ascend, I set my mind to do the will of the Father. No matter what he has planned, I want to pass through this because I know I'm going to ascend unto him. I know that God's plans are good and that he's trying to reconcile mankind here, and so I will do that. And so we too, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, say, I will face my life and I will face the steps that the Lord has for me because my life is temporary here and I will ascend to my Father. I will. And in this time, I am going to share the light of Christ and the good news that others might ascend to. You know, Jill and I have been married for 48 years. It's a wonderful thing. It's a miracle, right? We have no. Don't don't applaud for that. I don't deserve applause. Applause, you know. I, 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 well, that's another story. There, you know. It's just like I didn't get a diploma from high school. I got an attendance award. I just kept going, so I didn't earn anything really. And from our wedding, for the time that we were bonded together, all we have from our wedding is a couple of pictures out of a brownie camera. I don't have anything else left, all of the other things. But I got my wife. I have her presence. I want to see her go to heaven. And so we walk through all of these trials and tribulations that you do in your marriage, in your life, because there's a higher calling, because the only thing we can take to heaven is people. People is what ascends to heaven, not things. Not great awards or experiences, but people. I want my wife to go to heaven. I want my children to go to heaven, I want them to ascend. I want you to go to heaven. I want your children to go to heaven. And so we teach and we urge all men and we share the light of Christ and we warn people, heaven is through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ and there is no other way. So we press in and we share these things because of the ascension, because of the resurrection from the dead. If Christ did not was not raised from the dead, then our faith is in vain and we are still dead in our sins. But he didn't. He did rise from the dead and appeared before hundreds. This is the call that God has. And he goes on to say, to sharing the word of God, that is the mystery which was hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the magnificent thing about following Christ and knowing God through Jesus Christ in the good news, is that Christ did not leave us alone. He chose to give us his presence, Christ in us, the hope of glory. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In the life I now live, I live by my faith in the Son of God who died for me and rose again. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory, who died and rose again. And so we share this wonderful mystery. Corinthians tells us that Eye is not seen and ears not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. This is that wonderful gospel. Nobody saw it coming. How can God plan? How can God love so much? How can be be rich in his glory of this ministry that he would give his only son? Nobody saw it coming. It was a mystery. The Jews had a glimpse of it through the sacrifices at the temple and the prophecies. But the fullness didn't come until Christ came, because it said previously, the fullness of God is in Christ. Hebrews tells us Christ is the exact image of the Father. No man comes to the Father except through Christ. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It's through Christ, and it's through Christ alone. So we speak this mystery. It's the Son of God who came on earth, manifested in the flesh, Walk this earth, crucified on a cross, buried in a grave, raised up the third day, and ascends to the right hand of the Father, waiting for the Father to say, today's the day. Go get them. Bring them home. They're prepared. The last soul has gotten saved. Now's the time. Now's the time. This is the mystery that he hid, but it's not a mystery anymore. And it lives within us, and that's our hope as Christians. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of everlasting life, the hope of living with God, the hope of ruling and reigning with him, where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, where Satan will be chained up and thrown into a lake of fire. And so will all of those in his kingdom. And that's why we urge people to know Christ. Because there's just two kingdoms, Satan and God's. There's just two powers, Satan and God. And we have to make a choice. And God says, I want to take you out of the darkness. I want to take you out of the dominion of Satan and come into my dominion, a dominion where I will sacrifice for you. I am rich in my sacrifice for you. If God will not withhold his only son from us, will he withhold anything? And because we believe that Christ came died and rose again, this miracle of his power over death, we can truly say God can do anything in my life he's proven it and then he gives us christ's spirit to dwell and live within us so we can understand the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit we need God's Spirit, to understand the things of the Spirit, and He freely gives us His Spirit. Christ dwells within us, so we can understand. And if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, He lives within you, and He's trying to help you to understand. Every now and then, it hasn't been often, people will say to me, God never says anything to you. And I said, yes, He does. He speaks to you all the time. He is a God that is alive. And He speaks. He speaks through the Spirit. He speaks through His Word. If you're having trouble hearing God, look at your heart. The Pharisees had trouble hearing because their hearts were hard. And so Christ says, I'm going to come. I'm going to dwell in your heart. I'm going to share with you about my Father. I'm going to help you understand the Scriptures and about the glory of heaven and let you walk this life out So I can prepare you to come to heaven, but I also want you to share it with somebody else that they can come too, because if they don't come with you, they're the prisoner of Satan and will be in the kingdom of darkness forever. So it stirs within us. It stirs within us that God's great love, He is so rich in His love. Um, A week or so ago, I saw uh, one of these uh, TV shows about the emergency room. Um, And I can watch a little of this. Some of it's interesting. Others, it grosses me out what happens to people. It's just, it's hard. Life's hard. Terrible things happen to people. Painful things happen. And there was this young man, roughly 30 years old or so, and um, he had got some kind of virus that had taken over his heart, and he had a heart attack, and they were having trouble bringing him back and shooting all kinds of things into him. And his parents were there, and the mother walked up to the doctor. And um, because the doctor said, uh, it's going to be tight if he's going to make it or not, and if he does survive this, he's going to need a heart transplant. And the mother didn't hesitate. She said, can he have my heart? And I almost started to cry there in my living room to see her love and compassion, the depth of the riches of that mother, to say, I'll give my heart. I just saved my boy. And it affected the doctor also. Well, fortunately, um, he survived, and he did get a transplant. And he did well. Okay? Spend time with his folks. Uh, But uh, you wonder, how much does he cherish his life? Because somebody suffered and died for him and gave him his heart. That's our God. He's rich in love. He's rich in mercy. And he's proven it in giving his son. And that's why he presents Christ to us as his exact image, his exact character, his exact love, his exact power through the resurrection. And he's saying, here it is. Now you have a choice to believe it or not. But this is your way to heaven if you choose it. If you reject it, there's no other way to reject the love of God through his Son. It's a wonderful message to share, and it's heartbreaking when people reject it. Not only because they the rejection at the point, but you know the future for them. So we we share it. We try to live it. We try to let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven so they can have Christ in them, the hope of glory. If you're a Christian, Christ is in you. If you've accepted him and he's trying to encourage you, he's trying to prepare you, he's trying to mature you, and that's part of our job here at the church is to help mature you and grow you so you can be presented to Christ, blameless, without spot, and that you can share it with somebody else. That's why we're so thankful if anybody will teach the children, because when you're teaching them, you're preparing them to go to the Father. You'll teach the teenagers or young adults or whatever class that you're teaching, taking care of those babies. We're trying to prepare them and share the love of Christ and to share the gospel in some form or fashion and to get through that they might know Christ and have the hope of glory in their own hearts. Because we never know at what age somebody's going to go to be before the Lord. Now, we as Christians know that when we go before the Lord, uh, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We'll be judged by our works and things that uh, uh, aren't burned up. Are our works that, uh, that we've done for him rather than for ourselves, will be rewarded for those. I have a tendency to think that our reward will be able to take and place at Jesus' feet like the elders in scriptures. The 4 and 28, let take their crowns and set Him at his feet and worship Him." Because I don't know what else in heaven that I'd really want other than people. If I could present people to the Lord, I'd be so thrilled. To see you in heaven is our goal. To know him. To know him. And to be presented to him. So Paul goes on to say, this is my purpose. And I labor, striving according to the power within me. And this power works mightily within me that I might be able to do this. And so our hope is for you to know him, to accept the light that's shed in your heart. Because this first chapter says, it is shed abroad, everywhere in the world it's shared. One of the thrills for me in going to other countries, going to Israel, is watching people from other countries worship the Lord to be able to sit, okay? Whether it's a Mount of Olens or the Sermon on the Mount in that area and, and hear people worshiping in Korean and some in Spanish and then some in French, I, get, I teared up. I think this, ooh, wow, I wonder what the language is in heaven. <laughs> it's King James, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I just think it's working. It's working everywhere, and it's the same story to baptize people in the Jordan River and look over here and see this Greek orc, the priest with his black hat on and the chains around him, dipping people down there. Oh, it's 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 I keep it's the universal gospel. It's the same story everywhere. And all these people are going to heaven, and they're worshiping him in all these different languages, every tribe and tongue. It is so exciting for me and encouraging because I can share the story no matter where I go. It works, but i got to share it, and I've also got to go. And this is where I finish. What about you? Are you prepared? Are you letting the Lord prepare you? Are you responding to Christ in you, the hope of glory? Okay? So, I dream. I dream a lot when I'm sleeping. Not in church. I don't dream in church. (laughs) That's daydream. And my dreams are wild, and most of them are funny, okay? I once had a dream that I was reading my Bible story in a furniture store in France, and that's how it started. And uh, then this black choir showed up and started to rehearse right beside me while I'm trying to study my Bible. And I'm, what's the deal here? And then Jill yells for me to to come on out, and I go out the front door of this French furniture store, and she's going down the street and wouldn't wait for me, and she goes around the corner. And for the next little bit, I just follow Jill around Paris trying to get her to uh, slow down so I could catch up with her. Uh, She didn't want to bond in in this dream. And And I woke up laughing, okay? That's typical for me. But every now and then, I'll have a dream for the Lord. They're not frequent. And um, earlier this year, I had one. And in this dream, um, earth is going to be destroyed. It's going to be hit, I think, by a meteorite. And everybody's worried about it. And I'm thinking, if I die, I'm going to heaven. Okay? Okay. And so, it happens. This meteorite hits and this concussion wave, you've all seen it in all these movies, right? And this big concussion wave is coming and it's knocking, destroying everything in its sight. And I literally leaned into it. I wasn't afraid of it all. I just leaned into it because I know where I'm going. And as soon as it hit me, I shot straight up in the air. I had the sense of velocity. I took off like a rocket, which is a miracle in itself to get me off the ground, Right? (laughs) But I could sense the speed, and I'm thrilled. I'm excited because I'm going the right way, right? (laughs) And I'm I'm going faster and faster, and all of a sudden, I'm in heaven. I don't see Jesus. I don't see anybody that I knew, not a single person. But I am thrilled. I'm going around shaking hands and hugging people saying, I made it. I made it. (laughs) I'm here, and you're here too. This is great. I made it. I made it, and I woke up, and I was a happy camper, buddy. Because I believe it with all my heart that I'm going to make it. That I'm going to be presented before the Lord. That he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Okay? And then the presence that's within me is going to be all around me for eternity. And I do have a lot of family up there. I do have friends up there. I'm looking forward to being with you for an eternity. Because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Will you stand with me, please? We're going to give you an opportunity to pray here, so if the prayer people can come up and the singing people. And so, I've tried to explain the gospel to you. I've been redundant on purpose, because the scriptures are. I've tried to let the scriptures choose the topic this morning, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you have an opportunity to respond. If you've never accepted the light of Christ, and the fullness that he is of God, to forgive you and to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, This is your opportunity, and it is the most important decision you can ever make. If you're a believer and have been struggling to hear from God, we'd love to pray for you and encourage you today, and maybe pray about something that makes a stumbling block for you, and share it. God's got a plan for you. You're his creation. Preordained works that you should walk in them. So we give you this opportunity to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.